Welcome back, everybody. This is the Glintendo Podcast, a weekly Nintendo podcast. We talk a lot of crap. We cover the news. We have Galaxy Mega Brain conversations on all things Nintendo. If you'd like early access to the show and some bonus content, or you just want to keep the show alive, become a friendo on Patreon, patreon.com slash Glintendo. Even just the $2 a month tier, you get early access to every show, and it keeps this ship floating. There's a lot of stuff that we'd probably want to buy to like improve the show in terms of audio equipment. There's always like a never-ending list of stuff. So any and all support, greatly appreciated. The show comes out every Thursday for supporters and becomes free to all the following Sunday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And also my frequent guest, Our Hungry, is here. And he makes great videos on YouTube galaxy brain stuff on all sorts of games not just nintendo nerd stuff like me go check that out youtube.com slash are hungry are hungry how are you doing it's late man pretty late it's pretty late a little tired but how do you but i didn't ask how late it was i asked how you're feeling i was setting up to it you know setting yeah. up the, the aura mm-hmm. it's late you know i had to work today and i was constantly being held up by a singular man. <laughs> I will admit that today, uh, unexpected things happened, and I'm not here to defend myself. I'm just here to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I accept your apology, but I still have to complain about it. On the record, apology accepted. Oh, yeah, wait. Before we begin the show, one more thing. Um, so, you guys, anyone who's been listening for the past few weeks knows I've been promoting this uh smash brothers invitational that we did it actually happened this past weekend we just raised over 300 dollars for michael's miracles a diabetes charity um and not bad for just a few hours of smash so anyone who tuned in from the show or anyone who supported it anyway thank you guys very much that was hype that that tournament was actually really fun i ended up getting third place and it was really fun to compete in so thanks to everyone who supported that i actually donated a third place won only like 50 bucks, but I just donated half of it to charity. And then the other 25, I bought myself a sandwich. <laughs> a $25 sandwich? Well, I bought myself a sandwich. How good was that sandwich? That's actually the best sandwich of your life. I didn't say that I didn't have change afterward. I just said I, I used that in part for a sandwich. Yeah, you know that, that scene of Pulp Fiction where it's like a $5 milkshake? <laughs> yeah. She's like that better be the best milkshake you've ever had and then he sips and he's like that's a pretty good milkshake yeah <laughs> any tarantino references i'm gonna catch them bro I, that guy's movies are the most quotable like his lines in each of his movies are so quotable like i feel like that's almost like 90 percent of his films is like how good <laughs> yeah like how good the conversations are right yeah like say what again I dare you. I double dare you. <laughs> you guys could finish that one at home. Um, so, yeah, you're doing good. You're a little tired. Sorry for the holdup. Apology accepted. We're moving on. Um, you're going to have to add out some yawns, you know. The stuff yeah. Ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. So you're off tomorrow anyway. Don't act like you are in a rush. I have to things to do. To First of all, I have things to do. I still haven't had my my workout yet. I was in a workout earlier, but no, I had to wait. Well, now you're gonna do it, so don't worry about. It. We're, we do, got I'll, this. I'm I'll gonna, do it. I'll do it. You'll do it. We'll all do it together. 
We're going to do it. So yeah, there's not actually a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of different things that happened in the news this week. There's just one really big thing that happened. And particularly for us as people who are come from the Smash community on our, like, just we're ingrained in the culture of Smash Bros. As everybody who listens to this podcast knows, we cover all things Nintendo, but we have a special focus on the Smash community. I think there's going to be a lot of Nintendo podcasts and gaming podcasts that cover this week's big headlines, um, but none of them are going to be able to cover it from our perspective as people who are from the Smash community. And like, particularly me, you know, um, I have experience running a 200 plus man event, a regional, and obviously competing and knowing a bunch of TOs and knowing, you know, um, a bunch of co- the competitors and the big tournaments and going to all those tournaments. Our hungry has been to a lot of these tournaments. I actually wanted to ask you, uh, before we get into like what actually happened and what we're going to talk about, we I never actually asked you like what was your first uh, Smash Bros tournament like when what year and where was it? Um, so the first one I went to for real was a brawl tournament. I think it was called Rescue. It's where. Hmm. Um, it's where RJ used to host events in that firehouse thing. Oh, so wait, was that what became Smash Forever? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, it was a brawl tournament. And it was the only brawl tournament where I went to. And I beat Biddy there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Wait, so um, that was before Smash 4 came out on the Wii U, right? Yeah, and that I was... And I didn't go to that was like at the end. I was thinking like maybe 2012, so you know, uh, maybe even later, maybe 2013. I don't know. But yeah, it was really late into the cycle of the game, you know. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, Smash Wii U came out 2014, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, you. So then, obviously, that's from before I met you, and then we met around I think 2015 ish. Yeah. And, well, that's when I really started to go to tournaments, you know. Like, yeah, uh, I started going like because that was one tournament I went to in 2013, maybe 2012, whatever. And in 2015, summer of 2015, I started to attend them a little more regularly. And in 2016, I went to them all the time, you know. So, yeah, right. And I, it's like I remember I went to like one or two events. But then when I around the time where I met you, I think when me and you started going to events together, is when I really got into it because my first two events, I went with like, I went one time, my first event I ever went to was with Dugan, but he, we didn't go together ever again to an event. Like it was just a one-time thing. And I was like, not into smash that first event. Um, I didn't do horrible. Like I didn't go O2 or anything, but at the same time, I didn't have enough fun where I wanted to come back. It was later on when I like met you and the rest of our like little friend group that I really got into going frequently. Um, so yeah, that was around 2015. Uh, this week's news made me very sad because I've been going to tournaments since 2015 and watching tournaments since 2015. And one of the major tournaments that I used to look forward to watching every single year, I have not missed a single one of these tournaments a top eight from this tournament. I haven't missed a single top eight since 2015. So this week, 
we have a statement from the people who run the big house. And the statement goes, the big house is heartbroken to share. We received a cease and desist from Nintendo of America to cancel our upcoming online event. We were informed we do not have permission to host or broadcast the event, primarily due to the use of Slippy. Sadly, all of our competitions are affected. We are forced to comply with the order and cancel the big house online for both Melee and Ultimate. Refund information will be sent shortly. We apologize to all those impacted. So for people that don't know, the Big House is a huge annual Smash Brothers tournament series in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's run uh, by this guy named Jungle, Juggle Rob. And he's like a pretty prominent melee player. Like I've actually seen, um, I've actually seen that he, he does, he actually used to do really well at like really big melee events. And this is, tournament series the big house it's taken place every year since 2011 starting with melee and over the years including like project m which is a mod for smash brothers brawl and then going into smash 4 on the wii u and obviously uh ultimate so just in general before we get into um dissecting this announcement and everything just what are your memories of the big house are you like me where like you've seen I have very fond memories of going to like our friends' houses and just watching top eights and seeing insane sets. Well, like for us, like these are like the the bowl games, like the Rose Bowl, the Super Bowl, like the, the like the big house, like um Genesis, like those are like our like big uh games of the year, you know. If anyone's familiar with like football competitions, yeah. you know. So I, I was always really excited to watch it. And, and the Big House Top 8s have some of the most legendary sets ever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and across all Smash games. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a great tournament series, at least from a viewing standpoint. I don't think I've ever been to one. No, I yeah, I definitely, I definitely never been to one, but because it, it was always in, it was always like in, in a time of the year that I'm not, like I wasn't go ready to go anywhere. The only events that I, I would always go to events like in the summer, mostly, unless it was something really close by that we could drive yeah. to. But Ann Arbor, Michigan is kind of far. This announcement is super tragic. And just like we mentioned, like these, this is a, this event is legendary, man. And like, a lot of us have watched this tournament series every single year. I'm actually, dude, this year is so weird because we didn't have an E3 and now there's like things like this that I didn't really even think about. It's so painful to think that this year just doesn't exist in so many different ways. And so Smash Twitter was completely set ablaze by this uh, announcement and people were getting really, really angry at Nintendo specifically for this cease and desist. And this is also just part of like a a longer list of ways that Nintendo has gotten in the way of the Smash community's growth. We're going to get into that a little bit more later. For now, we're kind of just going to focus on this one big house, uh, cease and desist. And let me just read Nintendo's uh, message, their response to this, and then we'll kind of discuss how we feel about this in general. So Nintendo appreciates the love and dedication the fighting game community has for the Super Smash Brothers series. We have partnered with numerous Super Smash Brothers tournaments in the past and have hosted our own online and offline tournaments for the game. And we plan to continue that support in the future. Unfortunately, the upcoming Big House tournament announced plans to host an online tournament for Super Smash Brothers Melee that requires use of 
illegally copied versions of the game in conjunction with a mod called Slippy during their online event. Nintendo therefore contacted the tournament organizers to ask them to stop. They refused, leaving Nintendo no choice but to step in to protect its intellectual property and brands. Nintendo cannot condone or allow piracy of its intellectual property. So once these two statements hit the, the Twitter and things, it was canceled. And again, with the larger uh, background of just many years of Nintendo having very mixed uh, messaging and signals in terms of how much they want to support the Smash community, they created this hashtag. All the top players, a lot of players in the Smash community, they've been using this hashtag, free melee and hashtag save Smash. So it's been trending. It's like, it's, I've seen it as a major, um, I've seen it reported on other major sites. It's actually become like a huge hashtag, like overnight. So what's your initial reaction to this entire thing? Well, the, my first reaction was why are all the competitions affected? You know, like, uh, that was just like, that just makes no sense to me. I'm just glad that you said that because I'm surprised no one else on no one on Twitter has mentioned this. Like everyone's complaints towards Nintendo have not included that. My complaint about this is why is Ultimate not allowed to happen over Melee? So another quick little bit of of, of uh, context that people need is that obviously Smash Brothers Melee came out in 2001 on the GameCube. It is not an online functional game. So over the quarantine, with all the tournaments, the local events dead, a bunch of fans created a version of Melee with rollback netcode. If you want to know what that means, go back to one of our previous episodes. We go really deep into explaining that. But it's basically really great online netcode so that the connections are super smooth. And a fan made a mod of Smash Brothers Melee so you could play it online. And it has better netcode than Ultimate. Like, not even close. So... Nintendo sends the cease and desist and the entire tournament is over. Like they're, they were, they had a problem with this mod of a pirated version of melee and then slippy, but ultimate is also now the entire event, including ultimate is gone. That's, that was like for my initial reaction to uh, the big house statement, right? Yeah. And then I read the Nintendo statement and it says that they were they asked them to stop to not use the slippy uh, mod for the melee event, right? Um, so it sounds like that they just ignored them, did it anyway, and then got the cease and desist. It wasn't an immediate cease and desist. It was like they asked them to not use it and just host ultimate, right? And they refused to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right? that's what i'm reading of it right i mean it literally says in the statement they refused leaving yeah. us no choice yeah and who knows you know like who knows how true that is you know right uh we're only reading statements you know yeah we weren't behind the doors but you know i i don't have a reason to believe they lied about that yeah so to me it's also kind of a little bit their fault you know it's like you could have just not run melee if they if Nintendo stopped asked you to stop, you know. Yeah, that that's exactly what I was thinking. And dude, the other element to this is that it's almost like Smashers 
are living in another universe because in my, all right. So I don't know how you have an, an official partnership with Nintendo since 2015, the big house series has officially partnered with Nintendo, right? And we can, we're going to get into a little later what, uh, what it means when these guys choose to partner, but regardless, unlike many other big events for smash, you have a direct partnership with Nintendo in some form. How did you even think that you they were going to be okay with you promoting a pirated version of Melee? Like, I don't, I'm not here to tell you. We'll get into it later again, whether I think it's right or wrong. I'm not here to say, I'll make a moral statement. I'm just saying like at a glance from a business perspective, I don't understand what you thought was going to happen. And then you receive, according to Nintendo, if the statement is correct, which I'm willing to say it is because I think, I think if it, if anything in their statement was wrong, I think you would have heard a statement from Big House saying, no, this is wrong. Like the community has, is against Nintendo in this example. And I think the people from Big House have every incentive to, to kind of like set the story straight if, if this is wrong. So I'm going to go with what Nintendo said here and just assume that they did send you a cease and desist for Melee because it's a pirated version of the game. Like, dude, they have a company policy. Like, these guys don't even put their games on PlayStation. You think they're going to put it pirated for free on the computer and then let you, you know, pay money or whatever their partnership means to promote a pirated version of their game? Like, this is the last company that would ever allow this. You know what I'm saying? So, like, did you have that reaction that I did where I'm like, Again, I'm not trying to make a moral statement here that Nintendo's right or wrong in this. I'm just saying, what did you think was going to happen? That was kind of what I was going where it's like, like, okay, so let's let's set some clear lines on in the ground, right? Um, a lot of people on Twitter are saying, oh, this isn't illegal, right? Yeah. Dolphin... And Slippy, right? Because Slippy is like a mod of Dolphin. It's not a mod of Melee. It's a mod of Dolphin. Right? What is Dolphin exactly? If, if you could kind of condense that. Okay. For anyone who doesn't follow any of this stuff. Okay. So we previously spoke about what an emulator is, right? Yeah. It kind of recreates a machine, right? Or anything, right? Yeah. And this emulator, it emulates a GameCube. It kind of makes a virtual GameCube in your computer. Yeah. And you could use that uh gamecube on your computer to play melee right so the slippy mod uh is for dolphin so dolphin in and itself is not illegal emulation in and of itself is not illegal right nintendo emulates things right every like sony emulates things xbox emulates things right the the emulation by itself is not illegal you know even if other companies do it it's technically not illegal to do it Right. Yeah. This has already been settled in court. Uh, PlayStation actually sued a company over this thing that played PlayStation games, and the courts decided that it was not illegal. So emulation is not illegal, right? And that's what people are saying on Twitter, right? Slippy is not illegal, right? And they're correct in that, right? But a pirated copy of the game, which I am sure that everyone is using, right? Yeah. That is illegal, right? That's kind of like the the key to this, right? Where it's like 
you can't just ignore the fact that you are also doing something illegal. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, you know how Nintendo feels about piracy, right? So where's the mystery? Where's like the... <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. So that the fact that they were ballsy enough to be like, we have a partnership with them and we're we have a stolen version of their game that we're going to promote and we're going to, they're going to promote it for us because they're partnering with us. And as, like I said, we're going to get into what that means later, but like generally speaking, a lot of what these partnerships mean is that Nintendo uses all of their platforms, whether it's on social media or on Twitch or whatever, so that you get more visibility for your tournament. So how does it make sense from their perspective to promote your event when you're promoting a stolen version of their game. Yeah, and so this isn't, um, which is also confusing because the big house originally was also like really known for Project M, right? Mm-hmm. And they dropped Project M because they wanted to partner with Nintendo. Yes. So I don't understand why they would not do the same with Melee. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. If they were, if they could have just, they could have just ran Ultimate. You know, it would have been disappointing if you would have about it anyway, right? But you'd still be having a tournament, you know? Now, here's the thing. Everyone on Twitter is making the argument that they're making a moral argument. Like, they're making the decision saying that they understand everything we just explained. They know that uh, the copies of Melee that are used with Slippy are illegal copies of Melee. They know all that. What their argument is, is that Nintendo is being petty and that they're being... Um, greedy because they make all this money and they're not offering Melee in a modern way. So for you to play it in any form, and especially during a pandemic where people can't even play it in person, this is a game that you can't even, they're not even printing new copies of. So the only copies that are out there are really expensive to get. So if you want to run a, a Melee tournament, it is very difficult for you to get the game, get a setup, get a Wii or a GameCube to run it, even getting a CRT an old TV is kind of hard that for people this, don't make anymore that they don't make anymore. So part of the frustration comes from the fact that people's the best version of the argument I've heard. There's a lot of stupid arguments, but the best version I've heard is Nintendo is mad that someone is pirating a game that they don't even sell anymore. So they're not losing money off of this game because they don't sell this game anymore. And so there's no harm in people using this game and in this fashion, especially during a pandemic when they have no option. So my reaction to that argument, and I want to hear what you have to say about that too, is that makes a lot of sense. And that's the only part of this that I'm sympathetic towards. Uh, Because like I said earlier, I don't sympathize with you having a partnership with Nintendo and expecting them not to shut you down. Like that part of it makes no sense that you would have thought that you could get away with that. But when it comes to Slippy, I think this proves a couple things for me. I, I was telling a friend the other day, I'm like, dude, you don't think Nintendo knows about Slippy? Like, we've already proven, especially in the earlier episode where we talked about Netcode and some of Sakurai's columns, these guys are, they have a method where they listen to the community. Maybe they don't take all of our advice, but they know what we're talking about. And a lot of the changes that have been made in Ultimate are directly from things that we have complained about. So they have eyes and ears everywhere. We have people like Bill Trinan, who, you know, he's Miyamoto's personal translator at all events. 
He works for Nintendo of America, and I see him interact with top Smash players on Twitter all the time. I've seen a bunch of other people, figureheads, who understand and follow Smashers. And for the past few months, all the top players have been retweeting, you know, VODs of them playing Slippy. And so it's not that I think people are kind of missing the fact that Nintendo could have just shut down Slippy frame one, like the whole thing, not just the tournaments where it's being used, but literally the entire thing, like they did with a lot of other fan-made mods, and they didn't. Well, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think they could have. I mean, they could have threatened something, right? And then Slippy would have maybe uh, been shut down because of the legal threat, right? But I don't think that's a case that they would have won. Because again, it's not a mod of melee; it's a mod of dolphin, and dolphin is illegal. It's a legal thing to do. Emulation is legal. Yeah, right. What the point I was trying to make is that um, people are acting like Nintendo doesn't know about this. It's almost like an unspoken agreement that it's like, dude, we are gonna pretend that this isn't a thing, you know, because we could shut it down. We could threaten all these players who are retweeting Slippy. And their top players, all of them could, Nintendo can get involved with all that. It's not that hard. And they haven't. They got involved when you tried to use their own sponsored event to promote it. There's a big difference there. So I'm not, that's not a defense of Nintendo. I'm just trying to make sure people are talking about the same thing. Because people are going so crazy on Twitter over this that they're, they're talking about like seven different things. The rage is shooting in every direction. And a lot of it doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think that's part of it. But then again, going back to where the, the part that I'm sympathetic towards is that, you know, it is true that this is a game that you cannot get in any other form. And there really is no other way to play Melee and do a Melee tournament at Big House in any other fashion because of the pandemic and because of how difficult it is to get Melee in general. So I'm kind of sympathetic with that part of the argument, but at the same time, Nintendo, as they said in their statement, like, dude, they can't make they're, they're, they you can't make exceptions when you run a business like that. Like, it's like they are not for piracy in any way, shape, or form. Literally earlier today, they there were statements that were released from like a trial where they they were in New Zealand or something where there's some huge piracy problem, and they had like their lawyers dealing with it. And like a lot of that information leaked today. They're having a huge problem with piracy as a company that they've been fighting. This is like the number one thing that defines Nintendo is their intellectual property. So I'm just like, I get it, but I feel like people are making an emotional argument about this, that they shouldn't, they should make an exception for Melee because of the circumstances and because it's an old game and because Ultimates Online is crap. Uh, I get, I get what you're saying and I get what they're saying. And I just feel like, the outrage should be towards, well, like, uh, what I've seen some also talk about is a general outrage towards Nintendo, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's fair. I actually feel like that's fair because it's like uh, a lot of these things wouldn't be issues if they were more modern or sensible with their way of thinking, you know? Yeah. Because um, the, the, a big thing that I always point to is uh, the Sega um, Genesis collection that's on Steam, right? Yeah. You can buy that collection, and you got like 30 Genesis games, right? Classic Genesis games. 
Sonic games, Streets of Rage, whatever, right? And they're just ROM folders. You know, it comes with a built-in emulator, like this cool little like virtual room that like simulates yeah, the 90s kids like best room fan. Would look like. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it has all but that's all the ROMs. And those ROMs just now are you own those ROMs, right? Yeah. You can pop that ROM into a different emulator if you really wanted to. Right. So like and no one is like worried about Sonic's intellectual property from that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's a really backwards and I would say greedy way of thinking for them, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of that wouldn't be an issue. It wouldn't be an issue. So I, I kind of sympathize with the general grievance of Nintendo. But in terms of this specific situation, yeah, uh, I, I can't really say anything about it that's like, other than, yeah, it makes sense to what else they've always been doing, you know? It's and like, also, uh, also, like, you know, we're going to move on now to, like, the bigger trend of, of and not just the big house situation. But, like, I just, I actually think that on the big house situation specifically, there's going to be a lot of stuff that I disagree with and agree with Nintendo on moving into this conversation. But on this big house situation, they gave you a choice and you said no. And the whole thing had to be shut down. And I think that the big house made the wrong choice. You guys can hate on me, at me on Twitter, whatever you guys want. And you guys can argue with me all day. At the end of the day, big house was given a choice. Nintendo's lawyers have rules and they have to follow those rules of intellectual property. And they're not just about to turn a blind eye and promote piracy with their own money. And you guys chose to shut down the entire event. It could have just been ultimate. And again, maybe we'll find out more information that Nintendo's statement on this is not accurate. But if we're going just off that and just off the big house statement, big house made the wrong choice here. And so that's my final take on that specific case. And now we'll, we'll move on to like, how this is a much bigger conversation because then things got a lot worse. So these hashtags come out, right? We found out Big House is canceled. People create these insane hashtags that say free Melee, save Smash. Literally every top player is retweeting it. And an anonymous Twitter account posts a long statement explaining what it's been like to work with Nintendo on growing the Smash community over the past like decade. And the tweet goes on in detail on many occasions where different esports organizations have gone out of their way to work with Nintendo in some capacity, even sometimes like at a loss or just like not to make a profit at all. And Nintendo's response, according to these sources, is that, you know, it's ranging from leaving people on red for months or even years or just dipping their toe in halfway and like never fully embracing the Smash community or the esports opportunities to make smash a bigger bigger esport so this info is not verified it's an anonymous twitter i'm actually a little annoyed how fast and emotional everyone on twitter got and just accepting this anonymous tweet and all the information in it because we literally just went through this this past summer where someone would put out an accusation of something crazy and everyone would jump on that bandwagon and then a month later or a week later or a day later, someone would post the counter argument 
against the accusation and everyone would jump on that bag and go, damn, we shouldn't have believed that first one just without thinking about it. And now I know I don't know who to believe. And so this is like, I'm kind of annoyed that this just happened again. And like everyone, because Nintendo's an entity and it's not even a person, people don't even look at it that way. It's so easy to just go, yep, all this is true. So I can say though, that from my experience and from the people I've talked to who have run events um, and the anecdotal information I have, a lot of the stuff in that tweet is very likely. I'm not going to say it's 100% true, but it is very, very likely. Or even if a lot of it's true and some of it isn't, you know, so that could be also be the case. Yeah. And I, I'll I'll tell people to, you know, please go on Twitter and find that tweet. I'm sure you can find it very quickly. I personally don't want to read the whole thing out. It's a little too long for like a podcast or whatever. Um, but it made me think about how they turned into this bigger conversation. So it started with the big house thing. Then it turned into this bigger conversation of how Nintendo has not embraced the Smash community or done enough to promote the Smash community. And then this tweet comes out and the tweet goes through how, you know, obviously they they snubbed a lot of esports opportunities, but they also in the tweet, it kind of details and implies that Nintendo just kind of like abused the community for marketing purposes. And that turned everything into this bigger topic of how Nintendo's this greedy company that doesn't want anything to do with Smash other than, you know, make its own money from Smash and abuse the community. So I actually reached out to like a really big TO that I know personally, and he's done a lot of huge events. And um, I actually asked him for the purpose of this conversation, um, what does it actually mean when Nintendo partners with a tournament like Big House, for example? Because I think it's important while we're discussing this and while everyone is dumping on Nintendo for their approach to supporting Smash, that we actually have the context of like, what does it really mean when they actually do partner with the Smash community? So he said, quote, it's not much. It's basically an advertising method for both parties. When Nintendo sponsors an event, it gives an open door for a larger reach by appealing to more of the casual crowd. Think of it like a stamp of approval. In some cases, they will advertise newly released games or unannounced game. In turn, for the organizer, it gives them reach of getting some players to the event who otherwise wouldn't have heard about it. But a bigger step to this is the streaming views. Getting sponsored via Nintendo gives you a larger reach for viewing purposes. And depending on the event, a front page slot on Twitch. So what do you take? What, what's your take on, you know, this larger conversation about Nintendo's approach to partnering with events. Do you, first of all, do you believe the tweet and what it alleges? And second, you know, do you think that they haven't done enough based off of this TO statement and what that means? Um, uh, first of all, I'll address the tweet, right? The tweet yeah. longer. Uh, the tweet longer, again, it's an anonymous thing. Anyone could have wrote it, right? I could have wrote it. There was a lot of half statements in it, right? It's like, this leads me to believe that's how they feel. You know, it's like, this isn't like definitive, like screenshots and whatever, you know, it's kind of things that keep people kind of new already. So I'm like, why are people angry? We all knew this already. Right. We all knew that there's not big support for smash. You know, it's not something that's a mystery. It's just something that we all kind of like are not happy with, but we've been not happy with it for years and years and years and years and years. Right. Um, 
The next one is the, um, if I agree with Nintendo's approach to this, right? Something like that. Um, yeah, I'm really not, a, I'm not really happy with that, you know, because it's, it's crazy to see something like, uh, Valve who hosts the international, right. For Dota two. Right. And like, like you can spend money in Dota two and that money goes to the prize pool of the game, yeah. you know, and it's their game. They're promoting it within their game, within their platform, you know, and they're hosting the biggest event for that game, you know, you know. And that's not something Nintendo couldn't do, you know. It'd be really easy for them to do, you know. It doesn't sound like it's a hard thing. This is like a, a multi-billion-dollar company, you know. It, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt them that much, you know. Right. Even if it was a failure, you know. Yeah, and so when I read that tweet, like I said, all the stuff in it is not verified. But in my experience, and from the people I've talked to, and the TOs that I've interacted with, and all that, very likely that that stuff is true. I actually, some of the stuff that they detail in that anonymous tweet, I had heard vague rumblings of like years ago, like, oh, the, the Red Bull thing. I remember hearing about that. So I can at least say it has some kind of like, uh, legitimacy in that regard. And, uh, the, the famous ninja tweet where he has like the Donkey Kong gif, it's like, Hey, smash community. I got something cooking for you, you know? And yeah. every, every few months, everyone says it's burnt, you know? Yeah, uh, get some clout real quick. Yeah, and he he went on to later say that it just didn't materialize whatever they were planning. But and it clearly, was, it was kind of like he said. He kind of I think he said it didn't materialize because of a disagreement with Nintendo slash Twitch, right? Yes, and yeah. it wasn't really expanded upon. But the blame almost fell entirely on him. You know, <laughs> like yeah. we don't know. You know, it could have been more to them than him. Yeah, hundred percent. So. The only thing that I disagree with in the anonymous tweet and the things that people were saying afterwards, I'm going to look, I'm going to circle back here, guys, because I know there's a lot of smashers that are fans and are listening to this. And maybe they think I'm being soft on Nintendo, whatever. Like you guys already know, I'm completely biased. I'm Miyamoto's pool boy. I mow Reggie's lawn. I wore all black for three months when Iwata died. Like I can't be trusted clearly. All right. I'm compromised. So if you're one of those people that if I don't agree with Twitter on every, if there's no gray area for you and I can't, there's no explanation for me to disagree other than me being completely biased. If you're one of those people, like just don't listen to this podcast. Like this is not for you. I'm going to take Nintendo to task on all this stuff soon, but I'm going to start with the easier stuff that I disagree with on the Smash community first. I want you guys to remember, man, like the, the things have gotten so emotional and so irrational on Twitter that I need to remind people I'm one of you guys. Okay. I am not Miyamoto's pool boy. <laughs> All right. So that being said, um, the thing I really disagree with and the thing I'm actually going to defend Nintendo on a lot in this whole statement and, and, and what the conversations, this state, these statements have, have spawned is that Nintendo abused the community for marketing purposes. Like, let me explain something to you, bro. The Smash community is less than a fourth of the people who buy Smash Brothers. It is a very small part of the community compared to the overall amount of people who buy this game. So I'm bringing that up to illustrate the point that in terms of marketing, Nintendo does not need you. They don't need us. They don't need to market 
by using us and top players and having them play the game. They really don't. Okay. We need them way more than they need us. Smash Brothers was going to sell 20 million copies regardless of the Smash community. I really want people to understand that. The second thing is that I think Nintendo actually did a, an amazing job in terms of getting involved to use their visibility to promote the Smash community indirectly. I've, I'm going to get to what they should have done with other things later. But in terms of saying that they abused them for us for marketing, I really have a problem with that because at E3, when they reveal Ultimate, they invited top commentators. Not not They also had like random dudes that were from other industries that nobody in Smash knows, but they got people that that run our events. They were they got the right people. They had people like Vicky. They had people like uh, TK. They had Kony. They had all these people that we all respect and run, you know, we all love these people. They commentate our thing and they got to be front and center at E3 along with the top players who were invited, not just from Smash 4, but from Melee. And let me remind you how big of a deal that is. E3 is the most visibility that Nintendo gets from the press all year. Not just, not just Nintendo, the entire video game industry. Time Magazine is going to be writing about things that happen at E3. It's the only time that the industry gets visibility from like the extended media that has nothing to do with video games. So they didn't have to do any of that stuff. They didn't have to have a back room where all of our top players got to meet and shake Sakurai's hand. They didn't have to do any of that. You guys, we benefited off of that more than Nintendo did. By amplifying your platforms, you guys probably got thousands of Twitter followers and people following you on street on, on Twitch. And that helped the community in an indirect fashion. It wasn't the best. I get that. But please don't say that they were abusing us for marketing because that angle literally makes no sense. Like literally are hungry. You yourself, you were in a video on Nintendo's official YouTube. This is true. Because you, because you were in a Nairo video and they didn't have to do a player spotlight on Nairo. They didn't have to do that. And that was so extra. That was even outside of E3. That was like, I think that was a when when uh, Ultimate was already a year old, right? Like it was it was already out for a while. No, yeah, it had been out for. I think, I think um, this was the tail end of twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, something around there. Yeah, so you benefited off that. Maybe maybe you didn't directly because you're just in the video. It's not like about you, but like that Nairo video was very helpful to Nairo's career and. All those things like the, the Nintendo has billions of people watching that company and what they do. So I'm just going to clear that part out. I want people to just please stop tweeting that. Please, man. They didn't. It's not this emotional thing where the big bully in the corporate office came and bullied the, the guy and took advantage of you as the little man. Like that whole argument needs to go. That argument makes no sense at all. So, um, the other thing I want to just say on that, and I'm so sorry because I know I'm going long, but there's this, it goes into that narrative of it being like a corporate entity and people forget that Nintendo is a company of people. It's a group of artists and businessmen and they're in the business of making entertainment and art. And the other part of this argument that I just don't understand is that People are saying that this is part of a bigger uh, 
pattern where they keep shutting down fan mod games and that these games are games where, you know, they're not making money off these games anymore and the fans are making better versions of it and you guys already have billions of dollars, so why do you care? And it's like, you know, they shut down that Metroid 2 mod uh, and that's a good example because they were making their own remake of Metroid 2, so in a way, maybe they could have lost money because they were they were going to make a new version of that. And there was the the Mario Battle Royale thing that they shut down recently because Mario 35 was coming out. And even Melee and Smash, Smash is kind of different. They don't re-release Smash games because the new one is supposed to kind of replace the old one. It's not like, even though I disagree with that approach, I think that each game should exist individually. Like Zelda, Link to the Past is always going to exist no matter how good Ocarina of Time is. You know what I mean? So with with Smash, their approach is to kind of give you a new one that up, that's an updated version. It's not like a, you know, it's intended to be a replacement. But Nintendo's a group of artists and you guys need to remember that somebody made Metroid with their passion and they care about that. It's not just a, a, a building named Nintendo. There are artists in there who made that property and they didn't give you the permission to steal it. They made it. They made it with their money and their time. And if you knew these people on a first name basis, you would not be okay with pirating their stuff. The fact that you don't know their name is the reason why you you don't do it because you can hide behind your computer screen. So this whole concept that they're the greedy ones, you're the greedy one. You're the one who's stealing a game that you didn't make and you didn't pay for. It. Hold on, you know hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going a little too far now. <laughs> okay. Argue with me, man. Okay, because I wanted to give you some space because you were getting really passionate, right? I, I, yeah. I think we can trust each other a little bit sometimes, so... That was yeah. like giving you a little free reign, but I think you're going a little too far right now. Right? I appreciate it. And please tell me where I'm wrong on that. Okay. First of all, we're going to start with piracy, right? And yeah. This is the point that I, I bring up all the time. I've said it on the podcast before, right? I've said it on my Twitter before. I've said it in my life over the course of many years, right? Piracy, to quote, Gabe Newell, the great Gabe Newell, to grow the great company that is Valve. Not perfect, not perfect, but definitely the best we got in the video game industry. Right? Piracy is not about stealing. Right? It is a service issue. Right? You realize how today everyone has Spotify, everyone has Netflix. Kids today don't they don't know how to pirate things anymore. You know why? Because it's easy. It is so much easier to pay someone money to get all this stuff, right? Yeah. And so that's the problem. That's really the real problem. That's the real source of this, right? If Nintendo sold all these things, right? Like the virtual console, right? The virtual console made money. Everybody bought virtual console games, you know? I bought multiple versions of virtual console games, right? It's not about stealing, right? So I, I don't I don't really like this narrative at all. I, I, I've always disliked that. There are, yes, there are exceptions. There are people in this world that just want to steal things. They don't want to pay for things, right? And for whatever reason, you know, so to say to say piracy is wrong, I, I don't agree with that. I see piracy is a countermeasure to bad service. If you don't want people to pirate, the counter service is to provide an easier time. You know, it's much easier for me to boot up my Switch, right? Download Melee. Right, if it was possible, as this is hypothetical, right, and then play online there. I don't want to go on my computer and then download a mod and then we're see how it's installing it. Right, that's not what I want to do. Right, 
I want to just play the game. I want it. I want to support. Most people want to support. People who pirate games, they're not looking to steal money. They're not looking to steal your property. Or, you know, like, it's not because... And the reason that Nintendo has like, the biggest uh, piracy problem it's because people love Nintendo games. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's not a thing about, Oh, it's, it's, they don't deserve my money. Right. I'm not going to pay for it. Even if it's available, that's not the case. People do want to pay for things if it's the best way for them to do it. So piracy in a way, in a way is helpful to companies because you now have to force yourself to do better. And in a way it's better for us too. You know, even if we never pirated anything, you know, like never once in your life, you have benefited from piracy just because companies have to now compete with pirates, you know? Yeah. So first of all, I 100% agree with what you're saying. And I just want to say, when I say stealing, I definitely mean it with like a soft, a lowercase s, like very soft. Like I don't mean to equate it to you robbing a bank or like breaking into a guy's home or something. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I, you know, when I was younger, I emulated games on my computer when I was like 10 years old because I you didn't even, th- I didn't think about it. The part of this that I don't, the point I was trying to make, because I fully agree with what you're saying, and it, it, not just the Gabe Newell quote, this even happened in the music industry. Uh, Steve Jobs famously, before they made iTunes and the iPod, he was telling the music industry, you guys are dying because Napster is stealing all your music and giving it to people for free. But the thing is, people would pay if you gave them a better service. And that's and then they didn't believe him. And then he proved it with iTunes and everything has been better since. And now we're in the streaming, whatever. So I agree with your point, thousand percent. The part that I don't agree with is that just because an artist, in this case, a group of artists called Nintendo, that is a point that everyone needs to remember. Stop referring to them like they're some corporate entity of just random dudes. These guys are trying to make money so they can continue to make great stuff. Hold on. Like, to, be, to also comment on that, there are also a lot of businessmen in Nintendo that don't care about games, right? That's, that's also 100% true. Yeah, but hold on. So that's true, and any and more proof to your point is like, if you look at the investor meetings, it's like, again, I made fun of that in a previous episode. Like people ask questions where you're like, this guy has a, a, you know, he has 20 shares or whatever, 200 shares of Nintendo. And he's asking them questions that you would never ask that question if you played a video game for five seconds of your life. Like some of the people involved, I'm not trying to say that it's a purely altruistic, you know, entity and that there's no businessman and it's just pure and it's artists. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like there is a group of artists that are at the center of that. You know, if you look at Miyamoto and his interviews or Aonoma and his interviews, these guys are not, they're they are trying to have fun by making great games. And they often, they obviously have business interests too. They're not idiots, but it's like, if they, if it was purely business, Mario would be on every device. There's more to it than just business. So I'm just pushing back on the fact that to a lot fair, of people are- To be fair, yeah. Mario not being on all platforms is also a business decision. True. The narrative that people are saying is that Nintendo's a greedy company and that they're just trying to, you know, keep farming money out of us. And it's like, look, obviously they are trying to make money because they need to, to survive. They and are they a make, business. And they are a business. Yes. But you're completely overlooking that if they were in terms, if they were into short-term profit, you would see Mario on every cell phone in the world 
for $10 each, and they would sell trillions of dollars. So clearly money can't be the only thing that they're after. And please don't simplify this complex issue into just they're greedy and want us to buy ultimate. So they're getting rid of, you know, this and this and that. But to go back to the main point I was going to make is because uh, we kind of really sidetracked there. But the reason I brought up the business and the, all that stuff is because um, you were mentioning how if they, if they had a better service, people wouldn't pirate. And I 100% agree with that. There's no defense of ultimates online, right? Which is kind of why people wanted to play Slippy. I know a lot of people who played Slippy not because they like Melee better than Ultimate, because they just wanted to play Smash Brothers online with good online, with rollback. So 100% agree. But just because that entity is not offering you the service, it still doesn't make it right or moral for you to take it. And that's the only point I was trying to make is like, I agree with you in the sense that if you zoom out, right, and you go, how do we solve this problem? You're 100% right. The way to solve the problem is to create a better service so that there's no demand for piracy. But even even though I agree with that, when you zoom into the person-to-person level, if somebody makes something, they made it with their money, their effort, their talent. They put so many resources into making these games, and you don't get to decide whether you get it or not. It's not a basic human right that are denying you. They're not denying you water and oxygen. They're denying you something that they made that has no reason to exist other than the fact that they made it. So I agree with you, but I'm also like, that doesn't make it okay to pirate it. And to go back to what we're mainly talking about. So for you to use pirated copies of Melee to do this, to, to use this Slippy mod, that's not okay. Just because they don't give you another option. Now we're going to get into solutions for this. I'm going to take massive dumps on Nintendo in a second over all of this, but there's no part of this conversation where it becomes okay, where you guys can rationalize a million ways from Sunday, a way for it's okay to steal a piece of art that someone else made. Okay. That is never going to be okay. That's never going to be part of the argument. And it's never going to be like, that's not going to be acceptable. And especially as a company, Nintendo's not going to accept it. Yeah. So the last thing I was going to say on that is that, um piracy software piracy is a tricky thing right mm-hmm. because uh and I kind of hate saying it but it's also kind of like it isn't it's illegal but it's not necessarily immoral right because, it is a gray area yeah, yeah so if I was physically taking a game, right? I, I, it's a stupid argument, right? It's like you wouldn't steal a, a car, right? But you would download a song, like you know, those stupid commercials. There is there is some truth to that, you know, like, but like, I'm not taking it from somebody else, right? And again, if it's something that you're not providing anymore, right? And it's available on the internet, right? And I download it, I'm not taking that from you. I'm not taking it from somebody else, you know? So it's not the same. It's not like even just morally. I'm not, not even talking about legally, right? It, yeah, of course it's illegal, right? But that's because it's illegal. doesn't mean that it's right, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it yeah, was yeah. legal to own slaves, you know, like uh, not too long ago, right? Like way, way 
they're slaves now. They're slaves not not in America, uh, but there they are slaves now in the world still, right? And it's a legal thing, right? The law isn't moral or immoral. It's just the law, right? right. So uh, I just want to say that piracy, software piracy isn't inherently immoral, and I don't know if you can at least understand that kind of that, right? Because I know where you stand on that, right? And I'm not saying you're wrong, right? I'm not yeah. telling you you have to change your ways either, right? Yeah. But you could at least see what I'm saying a little bit, right? No, no. You're making a million percent of sense, bro. Like uh, in this specific example, right? So Melee, you're not taking a copy of Melee from someone else. When you pirate it, it's not be there's not it's not no one is going to have empty hands that had a copy of Me- melee a second ago so it's a very gray area because the company's not losing money from you pirating it and the person isn't lo- no one is losing it so with melee specifically piracy becomes a much grayer area but the thing that i'm saying is that at the end of the day even though that's true you don't get to decide what happens with someone else's art the person decides. And so if the person is telling you that they're not okay with even that, that's up to them. They're fully, they're fully right to defend their artwork. And, and the reasoning for it, part of the reasoning for it is because Nintendo obviously wants to sell you their new stuff. So for example, they got rid of the Metroid 2 remake that a fan was making because they were making their own Metroid 2. And so they don't, they're not going to compete with themselves. And again, you have no permission to make something off of their artwork. You didn't create Samus or the music. You can't, even though you're not profiting off of it, you don't have the right to use it. So, Although I don't think that's also true either, but we'll, whatever. We're not going to get into that, you know? We'll, we'll, just, we'll just cut it there. You know, that's, that's where we both stand. You know, I'd rather just move on. You know, this isn't like a, not everything, not everything needs to be, you know, cut and clear. You know, the conversation is more important, and that's what we're here about in the Glentendo podcast. <laughs> True, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to walk out of here converting anybody. I'm only trying to be truthful and honest to where I'm standing. But before we move on, I real quick, does that make sense it, to you that the artist determines what happens to their own art? It does and it doesn't, but it's it's too long of a conversation. All right, we'll we'll have to record that some other time. Uh, we'll probably make that a bonus for Patreon. So please support if you want to hear that insanely detailed philosophical galaxy brain conversation. So all right, moving on. Now that we established the big house situation, the hashtags, the anonymous tweet, what it means when Nintendo has supported the community in the past in its limited way. We covered, you know, the limited way that they they have um, partnered with events, what that me- what that means, and we also covered how they promoted certain players and the community in a lot of their, you know, E3 and like a lot of that stuff. So now we're going to get into what we can say is our possible solutions to this problem, right? Cuz the community is infuriated and they're there are a lot of people making a lot of sense, just like this conversation. There's a lot of sense being made, but there's a lot of sense not being made. And you're getting a lot of both things. And so um, I, wanna, I want you and I, as people who really know Smash and really know the community, to just kind of talk about what we think might help 
this, you know, heal this wound so that people aren't so furious with Nintendo. The, the most obvious thing is the thing I think they should do. But I, I feel bad saying this because I don't think it's going to happen. And I'm sure this is probably on your list as well. But the number one thing that they, they should do this, they need to do this. They need to figure out a way to do it. And I hope that they do. And I am for anyone who takes a dump on them for not doing this. They need to create a remaster or a port of Melee with the sole focus of tailoring it to that community so that it can survive. So the, the reason why this is like mandatory is because, again, we covered this. Melee is not a game that is printed anymore, and that game is unique. It is not like Smash Brothers 64 or Brawl or Wii U or Ultimate. I think Nintendo had some hopes that with Ultimate, they were going to bridge the gap and have everyone playing the same Smash game, but that is not going to happen. Melee is unique and singular, and they need to figure out a way that there's a big enough community there and there's enough people that will buy a remaster that is tailored for the competitive community where it makes sense for them to do that. And so I think that they need to do that for that scene to survive. Like, I don't know how many more years people are going to be able to spin those 20 year old melee discs that are not being printed anymore. And it just gets harder and harder. And then that community has to resort to piracy. So I think that they need to do it. The reason I don't think it's going to happen is because the right way to do it is to make it a fan mod version. Because even when you go to a Melee local, they're not running vanilla Melee. They're running a modded version of Melee that has controller fixes and a bunch of other little like changes that make it better for the competitive setting. There are a lot of like blind spots on the C-Stick, just like weird like things that the game has that people have fixed through mods. So the only way to do this right is some, to make some events do that. Not all events do that. Not, and yeah, well, when they're partnered with Nintendo, they don't. They they run vanilla melee without those mods. Um, but Nintendo would need to make a official rollback version of melee. Yeah. Available on modern consoles. This would sell millions of copies. It wouldn't compete with Ultimate. I think Ultimate's already at the end of its rope once the DLC is done, and they can probably just put this out without competing with it. First of all, what do you think of this idea? But second, and then after that, tell me if you think it's at all possible for Nintendo to break their tradition of, of being so controlling over their game that they would put out something that is like fan made like this okay. or like at least fan, you know, hi a hybrid game like that. So I don't. So I 100% I agree. Right. That is the, the optimal solution for everyone. Right. You would think that 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 a lot alone that everyone would be happy would be enough, but I guess not. You know, <laughs> so I think that this might never happen, right? Um, I don't remember or can think of any moment where Nintendo hired fan uh, creators, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Valve again. Valve is famous, you know, for making like these mods of games, right? Oh, not they—they they didn't make the mods. They see mods of games that are very popular, and they see potential, and they bring that studio in, those group of people in to create a full-scale version of it, right? Counter Strike mod of Half Life, you know. Mm -hmm. Team Fortress was a mod of Quake, which was ported to to Half Life. 
And then, you know, that became Team Fortress 2, you know. Guilty Gear, recently, they uh, implemented rollback to their latest game, right? By hiring the people who made the fan mod of their rollback, right? So they, they brought that in, right? So this isn't something that uh, um, is unheard of, right? Hiring modders and fan creators, right? Sonic Mania, another big example, right? But I've never, ever, 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 ever heard of Nintendo doing that, right? I don't know if you have. I've never seen any of that at all. Like the, the the only maybe kind of sort of version of that is games like Mario Maker. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not like an official thing. Yeah, but you're not bringing in people into your studio. Not at all. And and I actually do. Someone brought that up uh, on Twitter, and I kind of want to push on that a little bit because I agree with you that for melee, that's the right way to do melee. But I do want, there was somebody, I forgot who, somebody was saying, they were just dumping on Nintendo saying like, they're so close-minded, you know, look at how much success these other companies have had, like letting fans mod their games and like, just the fans know better, you know, let the fans make the games. And it's like, all right, I agree that for this specific example, they should do it, but let's, let's relax a little bit, please. Like Sega is only doing that with Sonic because Sonic games are trash okay valve is only doing that because valve doesn't make video games anymore hold on they don't make video games anymore hold on hold on hold on on. i know that for valve that's a bad example because after counter-strike they got involved and made it even better and they had a, a great relationship with the modders and then they made many games after that but for the most part they haven't shipped a game in over a decade. Dude, that okay? is irrelevant because during that time is when they were still making games for themselves. Counter-Strike came in between Half-Life and Half-Life 2. The reason why I think it's relevant is because Nintendo is still making games in all of these series and they're great. Nintendo makes great games. Dude, they don't make bad games like Sega does. They don't make any of these all these franchises are still super important and some of them are more successful now than they've ever been i personally i think there's a magic to that it's not just open source all day and for valve it works i'm not making fun of open source i'm just saying like there's also a magic to the closed source approach and the very tailored approach that nintendo has and they have a vision and it's very singular and letting fans just make whatever they want is not going to work for everyone and i don't i think it's the opposite of what it makes nintendo great but for melee i agree that they have to meet people in the middle if they want to get it right so i'm trying to be just honest about this like i think that it's a good approach for this specific example i do not think it's a good approach moving forward into the future does that make sense it depends always depends it always mean depends you know it's 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 team fortress 2 you know, it's as good as it is now because of Valve, you know, or yeah. rather as good as it was back then because now it's a mess, right? <laughs> uh, that's a different story. But like all like the iconic characters and like like this art style, you know, it's very, very eye-catching art style. You know, that's all, that was all Valve, man. You know, like, but it's like, of course, the, from the help of the community, right? But the, what the, the curation part 
comes from them like uh accepting them right it's uh the fan creation that's for let's say sonic mania right um they didn't just pick random modders right you know they they tested the waters with them you know they let them port the 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 iphone version of sonic the hedgehog or sonic 2 whatever right and then they did that you know it's not like this random like anybody gets to do it right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so it, it's uh but here's the thing the thing is with every example that you gave right um i think valve is literally top three maybe even top two only second in nintendo in terms of overall best game developers of all time right so they're not like sega because in my opinion as someone who grew up on sega played all the best games on genesis and dreamcast they've never been top tier at game design ever in their life valve has and the difference though is that even as brilliant as valve has been the difference in nintendo and all of those other open source or like involving the fans examples that you gave is that nintendo the brand and the comp the name of the the franchises and the characters and the games are mega mega huge it is not close to like valve is big i'm not trying to make fun of valve but their biggest games are nowhere near as big as Mario or Zelda or Donkey Kong or, you know, any Animal Crossing. So, like, it's there's a different uh, risk-benefit there because it's like, dude, we built this Mount Everest and now you're at saying it's not good enough and we need fans to do that to make it bigger. And it's like people, again, going back to way earlier in this episode from f to what I was saying, people need to remember how small the Twitterverse of your game is. The people talking about a game on Twitter, Twitter is not reality. They're, the audience for these games and for all these things is much bigger than what's on Twitter. You know, so yeah. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think overall we're actually seeing the same thing, that it's a case-by-case -case basis. And I'm agreeing that for Melee specifically, you're 100% right. That's what they need to do for Melee. The community yeah. has created what version of that game they want to see in the future. And like I said, Melee is not competing with Ultimate. There's no one who is going to buy Melee and not play Ultimate or vice versa. They're completely different audiences or most people just buy both. I would buy both. Um, so that's, we both are, are full agreement. I actually think they really need to do this. I hope that what they take from this is, guys, let's just do something we've never done and make a version of Melee that is immortal. So this, this Melee is the longest running fighting game ever. It went from five years ago when I entered the scene. You, we had to do insane like social media campaigns to get it to be an Evo. To be at Evo, which is the biggest fighting game tournament in the world every year. It was People were still making jokes that Smash Brothers is not a fighting game. And now Melee is looked at as the greatest fighting game of all time. And it's the longest running. It's no other fighting game has been as immortal as Melee. So I think Nintendo has something so special here. They have an opportunity to make these characters and this game like really immortal. People are going to be playing Melee forever. Please do this, man. Please put this out. Yeah, it also just feels like a waste, right? It's not just of Melee, but, you know, it's like it's a waste of like uh, potential, you know, talent, right? Like, yeah. Like there's so much talent in the world, right? That we don't know about, you know? There's some really true artists out there, you know? Like, and that they, some even developers, right? The big name developers now, 
they started out just modding their favorite games and eventually created their own games. Not even like yeah, the, the game that they were modding, just like their own or, completely original titles, right? So it just feels like oh, like a waste of like not like seeing the town out there, you know? Yeah, 100%. So the next thing that they can do is, um, so we talked about earlier what it means when Nintendo does partner with an event, right? And one of the things that they could do overnight that would change so much for smash players and for the community is that they could be throwing so much more money into the prize pools of each of these events so that the people competing have way more of an incentive to compete and also they're making a a livable money off of these events capcom actually does this they and you know famously the best Smash player in the world for Smash Brothers Wii U was Zero. And one of the reasons that he quit Smash competitively when Ultimate came out is that he said he could make way more money off of his YouTube channel than he could competing. And he he made a whole video breaking down how much money people are making competing in the biggest fighting game ever, Melee, and even Ultimate, which is right up there. They're making so much less than what people make for doing Dragon Ball Fighter Z and Street Fighter and all those other games, which is just like insane because Smash is so much bigger than them, not just in the fighting community, but outside the fighting community. And Nintendo is insanely huge of a company. Dude, Nintendo could squash Capcom without even thinking about it. Like Nintendo is a billion times bigger than Capcom. And not just, dude, think about not just how much money they have, Think about what I just said earlier. Street Fighter is, who doesn't know Street Fighter, right? Street Fighter is super famous, super popular. Smash Brothers Ultimate is the biggest fighting game ever in terms of sales. If they just took the money that they made off Smash Ultimate alone, forget all the other Nintendo money. Just think about what they made off of the game Smash Ultimate. It is an insane number. It is like double or triple what any Street Fighter game has ever done. So it's like... They have the money and it's something that's very simple to do is to throw pot bonus money in. It doesn't even require you to get super involved. It doesn't require them doing, you know, a lot of like uh, things that might compromise them in the future, blah, blah, blah. The other thing that they could be doing is also something as simple as just sending switches to these events so that there are a lot of setups with the game and you don't have TOs you know, having to buy dozens and dozens and hundreds of switches and copies of Ultimate uh, to run an event. Some of these events have like, you know, 500 people. And you you remember when we were at Smash and Splash last year, like that tournament was great, but it was run really poorly. And part of the reason it was run really poorly is because they didn't have enough setups. They had actually a lot of room. They could have set up an entire other room. If they had more setups, that tournament would have ran a million times better. Yeah. So, like, think about how cheap that is for Nintendo to just make extra switches and, and copies of make them. extra switches. They could just rent them out. Not even rent them out. Just like provide them, and then pack yeah. them back up. You know what I mean? Yeah. They could just have like a set amount of switches, right? A hundred mm-hmm. switches in their Nintendo garage, <laughs> right? Ready to to be played on. You know, so they have yeah. demo kiosk all over the world, and like. Target and Walmart or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, what's another hundred, you know, just for tournaments? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, 
I think, are there any other solutions that you could think of that I didn't mention? I mentioned uh, remastering Melee prize with fans. Pools. Uh, prize pool money, um, like Capcom does and like other companies do. And also, you know, supplying actual support in terms of the Switches and the actual game so that these tournaments have what they need to, to take the capacity of players that they have. They also, no, they also should be, well, they do technically, right? They should be hosting their own tournaments, but hiring the people who make our tournaments, you know, and oh, kind yeah. of, it should just be a Nintendo tournament, right? The Nintendo world championship, right? Let's just call it that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And just have it be a regular Smash tournament, but it's the Nintendo World Championship, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it would not be difficult, especially if you're hiring the talent that we have, right? And we have some incredibly talented, dedicated folks in the community, right? So, you know, the, the, the talent is not a problem. The money isn't the problem. The game isn't the problem. The only problem is the attitude of Nintendo or while they want to do it, right? Yeah. So that that is the biggest thing to take away from that. They have decided for some reason, right, that they don't want to do that. It could be that uh, the only thing that I can think of is that if they embrace the competitive side of it, right, that the they fear the casual audience might not be happy with that. You know, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I can think of, right? That like, yeah. That a uh, little Bobby Joe, five years old, is going to be too scared of competition, and that's going to be a lost sale. And that is a, and those little Bobby Joes, those those are the big numbers, you know. But it's not like uh, Street Fighter games don't, you know, sell millions upon millions of copies, you know. Yeah, but it is it is very very small, and I think that, I think that actually is um, what happens to Street Fighter because even me like. My first video game I ever played was Street Fighter 2. And as I got older, Street Fighter felt like a game that was only competitive. And there really didn't feel like it was a, there was any casual element. And I'm using casual in the sense of just non-competitive Smash. Like you could be a hardcore gamer and not want to play this game because you're like, yeah, I don't have any reason to go to a tournament or compete on a serious level. And it feels like the game is not designed to accommodate that person at all. So I think... You're 100% right in the sense that Nintendo's probably looking at it from the perspective of we can't let the game the game be defined as a competitive game because then it, it cuts into how many people feel they can come into it. And obviously the biggest thing Nintendo does with all of their games is that they try to make it so that it scales between newcomers and experts. Yeah. And they don't want to cut out the newcomer at all. Yeah, so what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is that... Um, but Street Fighter, again, like the, the competitive community isn't the only people that play that game, right? Because Street Fighter 4, you know, uh, multi-platform game, 360, PS3, uh, PC, maybe, whatever. That that game sold 10 million, or not like, around 10 million copies, maybe like 9.5 million copies, right? That is nothing to sneeze at, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and that game is a game that's seen as a competitive only game but maybe that's only seen to us the people who are yeah. aware of that stuff you know so those little bobby joes and whatever right they might not even know about that you know 
honestly, if Nintendo focused on the hardcore community more, and I think they already did, but with the E3 and everything, even though at the E3 tournament, they did have like free-for-alls and stuff. Like they tried not to just have it be one-on-one and be our format of how we play the game. But I think you're right because they don't, they don't need to worry about that because the game's basic DNA just will always appeal to those people, like the controls and the the way that you can play with four people. At the end and of the, the day, at the end of the day, people are going to see Mario, Pikachu, and Steve <laughs> on the covers of these games, and they're going to buy it. You know? Yeah. So now we've shifted to kind of like why they might be reluctant, and so um, I want to. We went through possible solutions, and. I want to talk about why they might be reluctant. You're saying, you know, they maybe they don't want to define it as a competitive game because it might cut the sales. And even though we both agree they're wrong if that is what they're thinking. But the other thing... But it could still be what they're thinking, you know? It's, oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. They could be 100% wrong and think that, yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing about this, like one of the reasons I think they might be reluctant is kind of a chicken or egg scenario where I think that Nintendo might not be supporting this more because Smash Brothers, competitive Smash, is not big enough. Now, the reason I say that's a chicken or egg scenario is because maybe it's not big enough because they don't support it more. Or it could just be that it's just not big enough because if you think about it, in the bigger landscape of esports, fighting games are actually not that popular compared to all the other esports. So let me just give you a quick stat real quick, right? So Smash Ultimate set a viewership record at Evo in 2019. They had 279,000 peak viewers during Smash Ultimate's Evo stream, right? They broke the record with 279,000. Street Fighter, Dragon Ball, they were in shambles. Vegeta and Goku were like mind-boggled that Mario showed up and he just bodied them with with the viewers, right? If you go and look up the numbers that the top 10 esports make, first of all, Smash is not even there. It's not even top 10. And it's the biggest fighting game in terms of viewers, viewership. It's just the biggest fighting game in almost every respect out of their money for competitors. Yeah, 100%. So it's the biggest fighting game ever. And guess what? It's not even top 10 as an esport. And not only that, that number that I just recited, 279,000 peak viewers, that's the average for something like Dota and League. And dude, that's like literally if they had those numbers as their peak, they would be failures. You would never hear of these these games in the way that you hear about them now. So Again, I'm kind of saying, though, I'm not letting Nintendo off the hook off that because it is possible. You could read that two ways. It's not bigger because Nintendo's not supporting it. But you could also look at it as like, dude, people are just not as into fighting games as in terms of esports as they are into other types of games. And it doesn't translate into a profitable industry that you can build for years and years to come. And so it actually might Maybe they don't want to get involved because it's just literally not worth the work or it's a losing business model. I can't tell you how many TOs I know. People who ran Shine famously said Shine is a a tournament that happened in Boston 
every single year. What my favorite tournament to go to, I went to like three in a row. They lost money year after year. They did not have, they didn't make their money back renting out the venue, all the stuff that goes into it. So it is possible that the community, as big as we think it is, is not big enough to sustain real support from Nintendo. Does that make sense? Yeah, and again, that is a chicken or the egg situation, right? Because uh, we don't know, because it's like the the support is so much different. Even for Street Fighter, it's still kind of different the way, you know, the way Valve does things or the way League does things, right? Like when you open up a League client, right? Like the 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 Riot Games client or whatever, right? Like there's promotions in the game for the tournaments, you know? You know, like like you can spend money in Dota 2 for the international, right? The biggest competition for Dota 2, right? That's in the game, you know? That that if you had these Nintendo World Champions, right? And you know how that when you start up Ultimate, it'll give you like a newsletter kind of thing. It's like this is the new spirits, stuff like that, right? They could easily be like Nintendo World Champions coming this year, you know, like that yeah. would cost them yeah. nothing, nothing. And also, even Capcom, if you watch Evo, they make custom levels for the Evo event that have like a, a Evo banner in the background of the game. But the, again, I want to say like the difference between Nintendo and these companies that you just mentioned, even for example, Riot. Riot owns uh, League of Legends, right? And that game is the biggest esport game by a landslide. It's huge. It's number one. Riot is a small company. Nintendo could squash Riot without even blinking. Yet they're, the difference in esports is, is like not even close. League is a million times bigger than Smash is as an esport, right? The One of the things that I, I think about is that these smaller companies like Capcom and Riot, of course, they're going to put more into this because it's it might actually be profitable for them. Nintendo's so big that they might not make money off of this at all. It might need to be triple the size for a company like Nintendo to actually make money off of it. Whereas someone like Capcom, they might be more involved because they're like, dude, we don't make that much money compared to like the big, big guys. Like this is actually a good enough amount of money for us. It could be possible, right? That there is money to gain, but they just don't think that it'll be enough for them to care. It kind of goes into our final point. And we've kind of purposely avoided talking about this the entire podcast. Many names have come up throughout this podcast that are no longer welcome in the Smash community for various reasons. And so, the final reason why I think Nintendo would be reluctant, the elephant in the room, is that I remember this past summer, I'm going to start from square one because a lot of people may not know. This past summer, starting sometime in July, there was a big exodus. There was a reckoning where... A lot of people in the Smash community took to Twitter to expose predatory behavior by other players in the community that had been happening, some of it, for as far back as five, six, seven years. Some of the stuff is like super heinous, super disgusting, and like it was such a big moment of so many different people accusing so many other different people of so many different things 
that it became like a big trending thing to the point where one of our key players, our most famous player, one of our most famous players was literally on the front page of ESPN.com over this. And just to see the headline, Super Smash Brothers, and then dot, 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 a bunch of other words and names, sexual assault. That from a distance alone, there were a lot of people, including myself, who when I saw everything that happened that month, I was like, then you guys wonder why Nintendo doesn't want to get involved. Because Nintendo's not Capcom. Nintendo's not Namco. They are they serve this unique position in the gaming industry where they can make a game like Breath of the Wild that's like the most hardcore and inventive like open world game, but they also function as an entry point and a safe like entry point for people who are new to games or are really, really young. And they cannot afford to get involved in a community and then have stuff like that happen and be associated with their game. Whether it's right or wrong, I'm not saying that it's right. I would be the type of person that if I saw a headline, I'm not going to just go, oh, that game must be bad. I'm not going to take my kid to the tournament. I'm not that kind of person. But there are a lot of people out there like that, and you don't want that brand affiliation. Again, you guys, people on Twitter kept bringing up how Capcom does things differently. I'm like, bro, Capcom's mascot is not Mario. It is not the same thing. It is not even close to being the same thing. This is, Nintendo's unique. There's not a single company that functions like them in video gaming. It would be like if you found out that if you took your kid to a Disney movie, there were sexual predators at Disney movies in a disproportionately high frequency. To be fair, right? To be fair, there are a lot of sexual predators in Hollywood. Definitely yeah. even more so than any video community. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. I'm like, where's he going with this? Right. So <laughs> I get what you're saying, right? But this also is again, that's like those things happened afterwards, right? You know? Like like again, I, I like the biggest comparison Nintendo is made to is Disney, right? Because they're also a very uh tightly run ship in terms of intellectual property, right? And the way they deal with that, right? And being child-friendly and all that, you know? But there are always rumors about that kind of stuff going on in Hollywood and even, you know, the, the land of Disney, right? And that didn't deter them from getting involved in other things, you know? So I don't know if that's valid, but I, I, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But but it's what I'm saying is that you can't. It's hard to say that when those things happened years after non-support. You know, you know, it, it, you can't. You, it's like those things happened afterwards. You know, does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But like, um, again, it's a little different because like it, the Hollywood example is not tied to a specific thing. Like. If, if this was about sexual assault in fighting game community in general, then it would be different. But because it was specifically Smash, like almost all of the stories were specifically in the Smash community, it became synonymous with that game and that community. And it, it would be more of an equivalent example of like, imagine you heard that there were a high amount of sexual predators at Disneyland specifically. What we're talking about is 
there are sexual predators who play Smash Brothers and you don't know who they are and blah, blah, blah. And like, they, this could just happen. You're not going to let your kid go to a tournament. Yeah. So my problem with this whole thing, I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but this problem, my whole thing is that it's not that Smash Brothers is infested with child predators, right? It's that child predators exist in the world, right? All over the world, you know? And you don't know who they are, right? It's not that the Smash Brothers are infested with them. It's that they called them out. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of like the grim reality of it, you know? Yeah. That like, it's not that these people don't exist other places. Is that people aren't talking about it. You know, child predatory behavior, it might be the most, like, swept under the rug situation, like, of all time, you know? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I fully agree with you. And I'm not saying it's fair. If I was someone who didn't know anything about Smash and I saw the headlines from this past summer, it wouldn't have changed my opinion on sending, you know, if I had a kid if, to go to a tournament because I know that it's not, that, like you just said, this is something that happens in a lot of communities and they just so happened there was a reckoning in Smash specifically, but it's not like there's anything about that game that attracts those people specifically. There's, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for why these things happen. So that's my theory on maybe why one of the many reasons they're they're reluctant to get more involved to sum maybe, up maybe now but well, i don't i don't i don't buy that for that but for yeah. before you know cuz they have run events you know it's just not the events that we would go to you know <laughs> you know they run like these item brackets with weird formats or they they've done it a lot they've done it a lot right uh, so it's not like they're reluctant to host tournaments it's just they want it done in a very specific way so i I don't agree with that you know maybe now they're more reluctant to do it right but i don't agree with them before being a case for before you know yeah but even before like companies just have policies like that where they they it's not like they knew ahead of time hey there's a sexual predator problem in the smash community and that's why we won't support them that's not what happened but the companies tend to limit their interaction with communities where they have no accountability and that they can't distance themselves from what can happen. Not just with like that specific example, but like in general with anything, you know what I mean? Like we can't afford to have bad headlines and we're going to be the ones that the headlines are about, even if it's other people, like we need to vet who we're affiliated with. These comp- Every company does it. Like they're not just going to affiliate with anybody. They need to affiliate with people that they can trust aren't going to bungle things up and all this other stuff. So I I get what you're saying. It's like, you know, it's not like they were retroactively, you know, predicting that that was going to happen and that's why they didn't support. But I mean, if you know how brands operate, they usually just do stuff like that. They're not going to, an even smaller example is just like, you know, there are um, companies in the NBA or sponsors that once they see somebody says some reckless thing, they don't affiliate with that person and they tend to not affiliate with people ahead of time that they think might say something reckless and make the company look bad. Like, oh, we're not going to sponsor that player or that dude or that actor because he's known for saying this and this and that. And maybe that was part of the calculation. Well, what I'm saying is that if they had their own events that they sanctioned, they, they, it, this is the Nintendo World Champions, right? They had everything in control and they're simply hiring people to do the work right they're not the front lines guys they're not you know they could have their own like uh mcs and stuff you know like yeah that is a hundred percent what they should do that just seems so 
like obviously the right thing to do. And there are plenty of members of this community that are great people, man, that like you could trust, that you could hire. And imagine imagine getting that call and you're like, you're a TO and you've been running great tournaments for, you know, a decade or more. And Nintendo's like, yeah, we want you to just do the same thing, but for us and we'll pay you. And it's like a real job. That would be amazing. And they they can do that and it would fix so many problems, man. Like to, to sum up, just to uh, sum up everything we talked about, because I know it's an epic, epic episode. Um, when it comes to the big house situation, I'm actually on Nintendo's side for that. So you guys can at me. I'll DM you my address. We can square up. You're not going to show up. So careful what you say, buddy. All right? They have every right to shut that down. I think Big House messed up. They should have just ran Ultimate. They should have just listened, and then they got shut down. In terms of supporting the community in a bigger way, I think Nintendo's done a poor job of that. Like, even if that anonymous Twitter was wrong, there's so many things that we pointed out that they could have been doing that other companies do that would have changed so much for the Smash community. And there are so many talented players who would be in a different place now had Nintendo gotten involved in a more meaningful way earlier. And there's a lot of time lost. Like there are people who their lives would have been very, very different had Nintendo made even some of the slightest like emotions towards these things that we mentioned. So there's that. And, um, and yeah, I think just to sum up, like they need to make an immortal cop, cop. They need to make an immortal version of Melee. It's the biggest fighting game ever. It's the best fighting game ever. It's the GOAT. It, it deserves it just out of pure respect. Put respect on Melee's name. Make an immortal copy, please. So that's that's where I end on all of this. Where do you, where do you after this long odyssey of a conversation, where have you washed ashore? Tell me where you're at. Pretty much the same place I always am. It, it should have been an easy win. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo is a company that is full of easy wins that they refuse to take, you know? And it, and it's it, it's it's a little it's not little, it's very disappointing, you know? Yeah. You know, this this whole like boycott Nintendo for this, it's like I don't can't tell if you're being serious. <laughs> you know? Um they've done much worse. It also doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're boycotting a company that you like their stuff so much that you need more subversions of what they do. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is like, I want to eat so bad. I'm gonna kill the chef. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what people expect to happen. I mean, I, I honestly expect nothing to happen. I expect, I honestly expect nothing to happen because their stance on, on like releasing old games doesn't seem to be changing. If anything, it seems to be getting worse. Right with like this, how 3D All Stars and like. The Fire Emblem thing, right? They're limited releases, right? Yeah. It, it seems that they're not getting any better, you know? I, uh, I'm a big Nintendo fan of their work, right? But I, I've been very critical of their policies on many different things, right? So I never expect things to get better. Why would things ever get better? Yeah, true. 
But yeah, like they're they're not about to just all of a sudden love rollback and 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 learn how to do that. Like even though there are you know talented like there are people who just did it for fun over a weekend. Yeah. So it's and, like and then, and I, I want to ver- uh, verify the people on Twitter a little bit, right? I am always for complaining in any field, right? Because the complaining is the only way people know that they're not doing things right, you know? Yeah. And even 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 if it's like a, an artwork, right? And you're like, I don't like this because of that, right? You are open to that opinion, and I can either take that opinion and work from it, right? Or I could realize that you're wrong and not take something over it, right? But I'm not going to take away your right to complain. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm... I actually look at this podcast as a complaint because at the end of the day, I'm te- I'm telling you all the things that I think Nintendo needs to do to fix this and that they should have been doing. But the difference is that the people on Twitter are complaining in a way that is so irrational and some of the arguments are so dumb. I'm not everybody. There are plenty of people making like a lot of sense on this topic on Twitter. I'm just like, I hate how dumb some people's arguments are and it makes things worse. It doesn't actually help when you make it a mess. When you DM Nintendo of America, F you. How is that helping anyone? Like what? Like that just makes you look cool to your little friends on Twitter and your little audience. That is like a performance. It is not effective change. No, yeah, that is 100% true. We definitely need more. We need better criticism, right? Yeah, that's why we have us. So now that we've taken this insane journey with this whole thing, how do you feel about this episode? Do you think we nailed it? Yes or no? I think I think we did a good job on this one. I think it was pretty good. I think we could have expanded on more things, but we've already been talking for a long time. Thank you as always for joining me, buddy. Thank you guys. See you next week. Hope you enjoy the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Super Glentendo. You can follow R Hungry at MF underscore R Hungry. And you can find his great work on YouTube at youtube.com slash R Hungry. The Glentendo podcast is a weekly Nintendo slash Smash community podcast. Our aim is to have galaxy brain conversations on all things Nintendo. If you like the show, please consider becoming a friendo and supporting at patreon.com slash glentendo. Friendos get early access to the show each Friday. The show then becomes available to all for free the following Monday on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify right now and you like the show, give it a good review. It helps support a lot more than you might think. This show is brought to you by our amazing producers, Naomi, Eduardo, and the legendary Riz.